I need to start this by saying happy birthday to somebody. To me? Me? No. Me? Oh. No. What's my birthday? No. no. Me? It is? Uh, Thursday. <gasps> oh. It's not your birthday. I thought but you were going to be birthday. all nice. <laughs> no. Actually, I didn't know that because it wasn't today, so it wasn't on my calendar. Also, yet. you're not a patron, so that's why we don't know when your birthday is. True. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I want to say happy birthday to Henry from Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, one of our uh, Patreon supporters. His wife, a long time ago, I don't remember where we were, maybe in Atlanta or something, she pulled me aside and said, hey, his birthday's coming up in June. Can you tell him happy birthday on the podcast? And of course we can. So, happy birthday, Henry. Happy birthday, buddy. Happy birthday, Henry. Yeah, they're big supporters. Um, thanks to both of them. And I hope you have a great birthday. And... I also want to say a special happy birthday to David Picciuto. Mm, that, that feels genuine. <laughs> happy birthday, David Picciuto. <laughs> Thank you. See, the only reason I knew to say it to Henry was because it was on my calendar for mm. today. Mm. So, <clears throat> Bob just Anyways, put his, everybody's uh, Dave, Dave just put his hand up to the camera. Like, say it to the camera. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> so everybody send David some uh, happy birthday emails i guess in the past because by the time you hear this it will have already been his birthday yeah it'll already be over so don't no no reason to celebrate <laughs> cool well what's what's going on i just i just finished up the welding class in fact it's i so just finished it up jody and jd are still here and so are a few of the students i'm going to give one of the guys a ride to the airport my voice is cracking because we talked all weekend. It was puberty, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Bobby Brady. It went. It went really good. The <laughs> the the TIG welding class went great. I, I mean, it seems like the students really had a lot of a lot of learning, a lot of a lot of experimentation. Uh, had the plasma table going. What was funny was the plasma table broke down, and then right there and then, a couple of the guys that were there, we all started bouncing off each other how to fix this thing what's going on I, of course i was super frustrated because i wish it didn't break and turns out i had some extra parts in the container from when i first got the machine they came and serviced it and they put all the stuff in a box and they said you got to fed fedex that back to us and i said sure no problem and of course i never did so now here it is two years into the future and we went into that box and i changed out the Accumove and some of the parts that make the machine run and we got it working again so that's uh, great because if I wasn't in that environment with people encouraging me to take chances like that on the CNC machine, because I jokingly said, okay, let's do brain surgery on this thing. It doesn't work now. It doesn't matter if we kill it altogether because it just still doesn't work. And we dug in there with the confidence of these guys. We, we dug in there and switched out the brain and it works. It works. It works fine. And we were able to keep it going and with some of the old parts. <clears throat> but that's that was, I said, this is a great example of, 10 problem solvers getting together and not wanting to let something go unsolved. You know, me, I'm just afraid of technology awesome. a little bit. So I'm, I would have been like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to unplug the wires. No, 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 just don't touch it. You know, leave it alone. You know, that's the case of where the machine is intimidating you, where that machine should be afraid of you. You know, think of it like that. But besides hmm. that, there was lots of welding and, and lot of, of course, if you guys don't know Jody, from welding tips and tricks. He's like one of the most respected welders on YouTube. And he came out and what I said to him several times, I said, it's funny. Every time I talked about this experiment, I always said, you know, like for instance, if we have a welding class and we get like, get like Jody to come and teach the welding class. And I said, you were like the pitch example. Every single time I talked about this concept and I said, mm -hmm. now here it is. It kind of just slipped into existence and I have to stop for a moment and acknowledge that this actually came together and it's working and he had an, a good time and he enjoyed himself and a lot of exchanging of ideas. One thing that it, this class attracted, which totally blew me away is like we had 14 students this weekend, I think. And out of the 14 students, like five of them were like four or five of them were totally professional welders that just wanted to huh. check one part of their technique or, and, and this one guy, Sam, who's still here. I think Sam's still here. Sam came in. Uh, somebody was supposed to get welders. It didn't work out. So we were, I thought, like, oh, damn, we're down three welders. And I saw Sam as he was walking up. I said, hey, I go, he overheard my conversation. He goes, are you down three welders? I said, I think so. He goes, oh, I got three welders on my truck. <laughs> he drove here from Pennsylvania. <laughs> and he just kept pulling out tricks. He brought his rig, his truck that he uses on site. 
and he had so many tricks and gadgets in the thing. It was funny. And he had things that he didn't really have a lot of practical practice with. And so with JD and, and, and Jody around, he kept pulling things out of his truck and experimenting. It was really funny to watch. I said, dude, what else do you have in that thing? It was a laugh. But it was, it was a great weekend. And, and I was really, really pleasantly surprised that, that it attracted like a few professional welders. And so even JD at the end of the weekend, like we had a little moment alone and he's like he goes this was great he goes i learned so much from those few guys you know there was a, just an exchange of ideas it wasn't just one way it was an exchange all around even from the newbies it was a great 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 weekend and it and i, I sit back and i and i think like wow this is this is kind of exactly what i was anticipating when i was coming up with this idea or well it's not my, it's not my idea but when i was coming up with the the uh the plan to do this kind of thing you know there's a lot of guys on youtube doing it and i'm sure everybody who does it has a very similar experience but it's just it's nice and you know the setting i think is a big big part of it my backyard my the the barn being away from the house and we all ate on the back porch at the big banquet table so it was it was great everything i couldn't ask for a better weekend so if you guys are listening to this i want to thank you again and again and again so everybody that participated and we're doing it again friday that's awesome I have a question about how the class goes. Yeah. So you have people in there, students of all different, you know, range of skill level. What is covered within a, a weekend with that many types of people? You know, like how do how do Jody and JD and whoever else yeah. is teaching? Like how do they? Apply? Well, the good thing is, uh, you, you might have been in an environment where you see welding being taught, and you're in your own cubicle in a way. You're in your own space, and it's very personal. It's like whatever is happening right here between my eye hand coordination is very personal to me. And we talked initially when the class actually starts Friday evening where people just dip, dabbling around, playing around, asking a lot of questions, getting to know you, everyone's having a beer. And then Saturday morning, we dig into it. We have a little class sesh and everyone sits around Jody, JD, and Andrew Carden came, who's one of the top TIG welders. He's friends with Jody, who lives in Massachusetts. So he drove and hung out for the day, which was a great bonus. And we just asked a bunch of questions the, I learned a bunch of stuff. There's various ways of TIG welding. Like for instance, if you have just a, a stick welder, JD taught us how you could actually buy just a few small, very inexpensive accessories and turn a stick welder into a TIG welder. And there's like scratch weld, there's lift arc, there's a uh, high frequency weld where you step on the pedal and it makes the arc. So there's a few, few different versions. I didn't know all of these different versions and the reasons why and the reasons how. And so we had a little class session talking about that. I had a certain problems with certain filler rod blowing up on me. I never understood why the filler rod would blow up. And I get frustrated. I go, why do they sell this? Why do, what is it? Who do you even use it for? So I asked the guys at the little powwow. And they said, oh, that's only for oxygen acetylene welding. That's not for TIG welding at all. That's totally not the right chemi- chemical makeup. And I was like, he goes, take that, take that bundle and throw it away. <laughs> he goes, that's absolutely not. You should. But it looks exactly like another bundle. So... When you, we talked about not, you know, fear of like being an amateur going into a lumberyard. When you walk into a welding store, it's like you got to be a chemist. You got to be like a laborer, a chemist, uh, a welder, uh, problem solver. And so there's so many variables when you walk into a welding shop. And here I am doing this for at least 10 years. 20 questions got answered over the weekend. Some that I'm not even conscious that were answered that now I know. Whereas, you know, just working in the dark and, you know, not having a, a skilled TIG welder or welder in general that you can constantly refer to. I mean, there obviously is. I could always call JD. But, you know, when you're side by side, there's so many subtle questions that get answered that you just otherwise wouldn't think to ask. And so we had that power. Then we went into the class and we just said, just start, just start throwing beads and just start laying down beads and seeing and you get reference. It's all about reference. And again, it's just individual personal experience and then everybody's walking around like i don't really know the i i don't think i know enough to be able to teach but i know my personal experience and i watch somebody having a little difficulty with somebody with something and i I encourage them to slow down stop take a breather make sure that puddle is constantly connected to the previous puddle and just as you move along drag that puddle with you he was going a little too fast so that was advice that i was able to give what i provide at these classes personally is i'm just amused i just keep playing around with different techniques and I'm learning with them and they see what I'm doing. I try and stay a little bit ahead of the curve. It's, I feel it's my job at a class like this so that people see what I'm doing and they're like, Oh, I'm like, here, this is how I did it. You do it too. Now my welds might not be perfect, but I'm kind of providing the creative catalyst for them to pick up a piece of scrap metal. And 
I made a joke because, you know, you, when you do a welding class, you have these little like uh, four by two inch, they call them coupons. They're just little things to practice on. And I said, the person who makes the most creative object out of the coupons, you know, gets a blue ribbon. So I always joke. So by the end of Sunday evening, we, we bring all our work together at the dinner table and just share and discuss it. And I just kept saying, make sure you, you know, bring something that's blue ribbon worthy. I was just kidding around. <laughs> But I encouraged everybody to make something cool. JD Plasma cut a bunch of shapes. We made, uh, Brett and I collaborated on a, on a 12-sided dice. Uh, we made a, a steel 12-sided dice. And it sounds more complicated than it is. It just We just cut it's 20 triangles that are laid out in a certain way that when you fold them together, it makes a 20-sided dice. But as you weld and, and hammer and shape those pieces in relationship to each other, then that last one, you want to make sure that last one you weld in actually has like a nice comfortable spot to fit in and that the dice doesn't look like it's been stepped on by a car. So this gets a little complicated, but so that was it. A lot of, like I said, a lot of personal individual experiences in a welding class because everybody's under their hood doing their own thing. It's like exactly what happens when you lay the torch on and the tip of that wire gets in there. That's, that's, and that's where you just go around and just check on everybody. So it's a lot of everyone just doing their thing and Jody, JD, and even me just walking around saying, how you going? What's going on? Let's see what you're doing. Are you frustrated? What's you frustrated with? Oh, wow. You know what? You have your gases off too too low or your your tungsten is contaminated, sharpen that tungsten. So this really that's really the, the rhythm of it. It's cool to see or to hear that uh, it's, it's a very individual and personal thing. One of the yeah. intimidating things about taking classes for me is... I don't want it to be a performance thing. I don't want to learn something in front of a whole bunch of people. I want it to be like me in the in the machine or me in the, in the craft doing the thing. And the instructor or the teacher coming over and checking up on me, but not being watched by the entire class. That's, that's intimidating to me. Yeah, no, everybody feels that. And everyone's just doing their own thing. And that's why, like, one at a time, like, oh, I see them sharing. We, we had just the right amount of machines for everybody. I got a little nervous that there was going to be. But there were plenty of times. Well, well, there was a father and son came, and they shared a machine. And there were plenty of times where people were like, you know what? I'm going to take a break. I'm just going to watch other people because I want to see what your technique is. And I did a lot of that. And it's great. It, even though, you know, hey, I, we both don't know how to do anything, but let me see how you do it. Oh, you know what? That's I should try that technique. So there was it was a very openness. There wasn't anybody intimidated by somebody over their shoulder because they're in the same game. And then if it's not another amateur like you, it's a professional that you could actually turn and say, "Hey, how do I do this? Oh, this is how I do that. Oh, cool. Let me practice that technique." When I was at uh, Maker Central, there was <clears throat> the little blacksmith area set up, and they were doing demos. And you would go and you know they would walk you through the whole thing and talk to you about it, and tell you the process and it wasn't a complicated process to make a nail, but they would tell you the process and then they would just like pull out this piece of steel and hand you a hammer. <laughs> and there's like people standing around in like a, a ring oh, yeah, yeah. watching you. <laughs> you know, a lot of people were waiting their turn to do it and everything. And I mean, it was fun. Like I, I wasn't nervous about that. And, and even though there were a bunch of people there, but I felt like I have no idea what I'm doing. Like this is guaranteed to go wrong. You know, I don't with a little more focus and preparation, like I probably could, maybe have done a better job, but it was one of those just like, here you go, start hitting it. I'm like, well, how do you hold the hammer? Like, how hard do you hit it? Where do you swing high? Do you swing low? You know, all these little questions that I wanted to figure out. Uh, conversely to a couple weeks ago, I don't know if I talked about this already, but I went to um, the, the friend of ours that my wife is learning pottery from. So she goes to this girl's house and like, she has a little shed in her backyard with all her pottery stuff. And so she goes back there and she's been learning. So I went with her the other night. And so I got a pottery lesson and that was very, there were the three of us in this little room and Jenny was doing her thing, like glazing stuff she had already worked on. And so this um, friend of ours was teaching me and it was a chance for me to, to ask a lot of the I don't, it felt like I was asking about the physics of it more than, you know, any of the other stuff about it before I even touched the clay. And she would explain the process. She showed me how she did one little bowl. And then I was asking all these questions about like, well, you know, where's the pressure coming from when you have both hands on this thing? Like exactly where are you pushing? Are you pushing out? Are you pushing in? Are you pushing down? What part of your hand causes this and what, you know, and it was a totally different experience because after getting all the information that I needed to figure out how to physically do it. Uh, I did one and it was all right. And then I messed it up, but then I realized exactly what I did wrong. 
And then I made like three things and I, I think they turned out pretty good, like right off the bat, you know, whereas with the blacksmithing thing, it was like, here you go, hit it. And I was just like banging on it. And I ended up with this little <laughs> cat foot looking <laughs> nail thing that wouldn't be usable for anything. And then I had to leave, you know, and that was the end of it. So I'm with you, David, in the, all that to say, um, a more a little bit of personal attention goes a long way. Uh, my thing with, with anything, even like Kevin Lazat last night, Kevin spent the weekend with us too. So a couple of times he and I were just discussing fusion ideas and I've been experimenting with cam and fusion, the the process by which you could develop a, a Tormach cutting file. <clears throat> and I said to Kevin, just, just got to keep experimenting. Let's just hit it, get a reference point, realize, Oh, that's not what I want. Let me change this setting. Hit compose. Oh, that's not what I want. Hit, you know, compose, I mean, composing the, the, the cut path. You could keep seeing infusion. You could run a simulation. Just keep simulating it and see what it looks like and keep changing, get a reference point. There's sometimes in, in uh, infusion, for instance, if, sometimes the way I get a reference point is I can't see the subtle changes that are happening when you're working in tens and thousands of an inch. So I'll just go two inches. Like that's, you would never set the cam for that, but I just want to see what line on the composition changes so i could know exactly what that means so i'll just you know all of a sudden you have a cut path that's like two inches past where you really need to cut but now i know what that value means so i'll go back and i'll put it at point you know twenty thousandths, whatever it really should intend it to be but that that is a big thing and, and that's what this is all about it's just giving yourself reference points okay that doesn't work let me turn the dial all the way to that side okay that works a little better let me turn it that oh wow now that that's fine now i'm starting to dial it in Literally and figuratively. So it's just all about getting reference points. It reminds me of my working in the studio days where you're recording audio and you need to take out a certain frequency. So you actually bump up the frequency that you're looking for to exaggerate, to find in the EQ spectrum where it's at. And then once you find it, then you can dial it into where you want. Yeah. Always look at that exaggeration first. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Crazy. Well, uh, David, what have you been doing? Uh, a few days ago, I put up the trash can build, and that was fun. That was one of those projects where I got all the materials, was all planned out. Everything was supposed to just be a, it was supposed to be a super easy day. And on the door, we did some laser cut marquetry pieces, and it didn't come out the way I wanted. And I was like, you know, what? we'll just plow through it. But I really wasn't liking it. It wasn't didn't come out the uh, did, uh, like how I saw it in my head. So I actually had to redo the the front door. And in the video, I kind of lied because I said it it was my second attempt, but it was actually my fourth attempt of trying to get this Ooh. all the all the pieces right. One of the things that I learned is when you we dyed I dyed veneer to make all the pieces for it. That's the first time I've ever dyed my own veneer. And if you don't let that dye dry completely, like a good 24 hours, the veneer actually moves on you quite a bit. So to prep for it, I dyed all the veneer the night before. And when it comes time to glue all the pieces together, it, everything was perfectly fine. But I sanded past the the dye and i was like oh that's okay we'll just live with it but then i when i went to put on a coat of shellac i didn't clean all the dust and so the dye from the dark veneer got into the lighter veneer and just kind of ruined the piece and so i quickly tried to do another piece where i quickly dye veneer and i set it out in the sun to dry really quick and i was piecing everything together but it felt dry, but it actually wasn't dry because the pieces kept moving and curling and shrinking, and nothing was fitting. and And uh, it was a good it was a good learning lesson. Uh, and and like I've never done it before, and I didn't even look anything up. I was just like, I'm just going to dive in and, and give it a try. And I think it was one of those things where it was it's best that I didn't look it up and just dove into it because now I know what not to do. I know. I think I know what. There's more of what not to do than what to do, and uh, it, that'll be ingrained in my head for a long time. So, it was a fun project, and it came out really good. And then one of the issues that I have with the little, it's a, it's like a restaurant style trash can, and it's got the flappy door, and the door doesn't hang straight. And I asked the audience, hmm. like, 
what do I need to do to make this door hang straight? And I got so many awesome answers. Of course, lots of people said magnets. Um, and then a couple of people were shim the hinge. And the I think the right and correct solution was not to use a piano hinge because of the way the door hangs. The center of gravity is not right. But to mm-hmm. drill holes in the side of the flap and then on the inside and then take like a steel pin with springs like a like a toilet paper roll holder. Oh yeah, snap it in. Put that snap it in there. I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. It's like I don't think yeah. of those things, and I'm so glad I asked the audience because now I know next time that's exactly what I'm going to do. I don't know that I'm going to fix the current one because it's yeah. a it's for the shop, but that it was such a it was such a great idea. I'm like, I know that for the next time now. Yeah, that is really handy. Although it's kind of funny with stuff like that. Like <clears throat> somebody from an out, you know, watching the video. They had probably some experience in the past somewhere where they came with that type of a hinge mechanism, and they were like, oh, he's probably going to do the thing with the pins, and then you didn't. And they were like, oh, man, what? why didn't you do that? Right. It's funny, though, because when we're in the middle of thinking about a project from a certain perspective, if we don't have that same historical perspective, then we just like, I don't know, piano hinge, I guess. Yeah. That, I've used that before. It sounds right. like it would work. So it's it's... It's funny because I get to the end of a video, I'm often the same situation where somebody goes, well, why didn't you use this? And it sounds kind of snarky, but it's because they had a, a good experience with something in the past and I just didn't. Yeah. Like, like I didn't work on it long enough to get to that thing, to that solution. And so in high, hindsight, it's always like, oh, yeah, there's like a bunch of really good solutions out there that I just never would have hit on because I didn't have the context or the history, but... One of the uh, temporary solutions is people were just like tape or connect weight on the back of the door. It changed the center of gravity. And I actually took some duct tape and some nuts and bolts and taped it on the back of the door. And now it hangs flat. It's a temporary solution, oh. but that quickly worked. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But I mean, you could make that permanent just by, you know, gluing them in, yeah. like drilling some holes and gluing them in the back of the door or something. Yeah, definitely. Huh. That's awesome. It, it turned out really nice. It's It's really good looking. Thank you. One of the, uh, I had no idea, total coincidence, is the, the door is based on The Shining, the carpet from the movie The Shining. Yeah, I'm watching, I'm watching it now. It's really cool. I love the way you put the pieces together. Thank you. Out of the laser cut. And there's a sequel to The Shining movie come out. The, the trailer for the sequel came out the day before I released my video. Had no idea. Oh, wow. It was just total coincidence. In that while, okay, so last week we put out the axe throwing for kids video. Uh-huh. We put it out on International Axe Throwing Day, totally by accident. <laughs> Come on, you liar! <laughs> no, I'm not. You're lying. getting paid I, by all I'm, the axe companies. Stop. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. All of the axe companies are paying me to make fake axes. No, it's like somebody like tweeted me that, and I'm like, no way. Like, there, why is there an International Axe Throwing Day in the first place? I wonder. Place? Well, well, I guess it depends on when they record, but I wonder if uh, the modern Maker, uh, 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 I'm drawing a blank. Modern uh, Maker Podcast. Yes, I did say it right. Those guys. I wonder. Yep. They always say today is National Hot Dog Bun Day. I wonder if they they know <laughs> that it was national. But if they recorded on that day, then we would know. They guess they wouldn't say yeah. every single day. <laughs> <laughs> they record every single day. We got to ask Mike. Um, let's see. So for me, we have. I don't know that my video is coming out this week. So I'm kind of hesitant to say, but we built a treehouse. Oh, yeah. We built a a big treehouse. And um, you finished it? Two videos. Yeah, we finished it. And nice. I'm really happy with it. It turned out nice. Right. And so that's um, hopefully going to, the first part will be out this week before the show. If not, it will be out next week. But we got to get approval and stuff on it. Um, but it's it's two videos. And I know the first one. The last edit that I heard about was uh, already over 30 minutes, so they're probably going to be two really long videos. But I'm really happy with how it turned out. Um, we like I figured out the <clears throat> excuse me the structural base for it, and then never really and and didn't even really make a model of it. Like I figured out kind of the a two dimensional plan for how the structure would be laid out and attached to the tree, which is a little bit more complicated than I expected to do it safely and to do it for the tree's health and stuff. But I figured out the attachment and then how it would be attached to the ground. But then that's kind of all I figured out. And after that, it was like, well, you know, we'll probably put some decking on it and we'll probably put some rails on it and we'll probably put, I don't know. And we just kind of figured it out as we went along. 
and it turned out really nice. So, and the kids love it. It's totally strong enough for our entire family and more to stand on it and be up there and everything. So, what is the yeah. floor plan? Is it like ten feet by ten feet, or bigger, or small? It's um, let's see. It's twelve feet on the front edge and eight feet deep, but it's kind of like a wedge shape. So it fans away from the tree. It opens up into like into the yard. And we had this uh, big tree that got, got hit by lightning years ago. <clears throat> and so there was kind of a spot in the side of the tree where a lot of the branches had already been dead and had fallen out and broken off and stuff. So there's kind of like a natural flat spot in the tree to put it, which worked out really well. And it's facing the field behind our house. So when you're up there, you can only really see one house and the rest of everything you see is trees and fields. So it looks like you're kind of further away from reality than you are. But um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. I'm happy to have it done. But it's funny because we finished that thing this past Friday afternoon, like end of the day. We finished shooting it. The day was over. And then we went into the weekend. And I didn't plan anything for this week for what's next. And the shop is a wreck. And I'm still kind of in that, like, after you finish a big project, and you kind of have that just, like, oh, feeling. I'm still yeah. in that. So I'm not sure if I'm going to actually do anything today. <laughs> I'm just going to clean the shop today. Because it's been, like, two weeks of just solid, you know, outdoor, you know, working in the yard, in the heat, and in the rain, and everything. And so, yeah, it's kind of a different situation for us. But it's nice to have it done. And it turned out really good. So we don't, I don't know what we're doing yet this week. There's a couple projects that I, I might do, but I told Dan one of these days coming up soon, and it might be this week because there's no sponsored video due this week, is we're just going to take a trip to the art museum and then we're going to go to a couple antique malls and it's just going to be an inspiration day and just soak things up. And it was just like a total relaxing, we're going to go out to lunch and just take in ideas. And that might happen this week, and it might not. So That's a good idea. Yeah, I'll probably need to do some of that at some point, too. Um, it's funny because, like, I, you know, I'm generally a planner, and we try to have the schedule built out for a couple of um, a couple of months. You know, it, they change, but we try to have at least something on the schedule for a couple of months. And we've been so focused on the last few months of stuff and all the travel and then the treehouse and we got done with the treehouse and I looked at the schedule and I'm like, there's nothing. Like, I don't have anything planned for the first time in a very long time. By the way, it looks um, pretty epic. It looks Beautiful. amazing. Oh, <laughs> oh, thanks. Wow. Bob just shared a picture with us. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, <laughs> and But it's, so it's kind of weird to be at a point where, you know, we're a couple of weeks ahead on video. Uh, we don't have anything to start today and we don't really have anything planned for the next couple of weeks. So I'm trying to decide like how I want to play that. You know, do I take the advantage of the time to just kind of reset the shop and reset everything? Do we go somewhere and do some brainstorming type stuff? Do we just plow through it and pick another thing off the list and make the next thing? It's kind of weird because it's, it's a different, it's like a, a lull in all of the stuff that we typically do. And so I'm like trying to decide like how to take the best advantage of a Monday morning, you know, just kind of weird, but anyway, um, so we don't really have a topic, but we do have some, uh, tweets left over from a few weeks back when we asked and <clears throat> one of them that I think it has some good stuff in it is from Grant Brown. And he said, what do you want your legacy story to be uh, when folks look back on your body of work? That's one I think is a good one, which we've talked about legacy before, but it's been a long time. So, And then what is something interesting that people who have only ever watched your YouTube wouldn't know about you? I think that's kind of cool. I'd actually like to start with that one because the three of us know each other to a degree, right? At a certain level and a certain uh, kind of depth because we don't get to spend a whole lot of like personal time with each other. Um, but it'd be interesting to know if there's like something that just, you know, never gets brought up or never has a, a way to be exposed about us. Hmm. Do you have anything like that, David? Um, uh, man, I think, uh, I, so I think watching the videos and maybe seeing me in public, you might get the wrong impression of how I actually am. I'm, uh, I I like to be at home. 
I don't like to leave the house too much. I, I enjoy just hanging out with my wife. I'm not much of a people person, although that's changing over the years. When, um, before I worked at the agency over 10 years ago, I was a very anxious, a very shy person, always nervous. And then I got this, I got this job at the ad agency and that forced me to be in meetings. It forced me to lead meetings and I had to talk to people and I got a little bit more used to that. But I think deep down in my core, I'm still that, that shy, quiet person. But the YouTube thing forces me to, to get out of that. In a, in a very good way. It's, it's what I do is a very solitary thing. Like it's just me sometimes stand here at the house and I don't actually have to leave the house very much. And I don't get to talk to a lot of people. So doing the public thing and talking to the camera allows me to work on those, on those social skills. Hmm. I mean, I know that because I've spent enough time with you to see that. Um, when you got started making videos, your your like camera presentation was mm-hmm. very upbeat and very. I mean, it still is, but it, you know, it was different than what you're explaining. Yeah, as how you naturally yeah. are. Was that intentional? Was that it like was, a? It was very intentional. I think the the start was to, my very first videos, which I don't even think are up anymore. It was very slow and very unwatchable. And I learned, I'm like, okay, that doesn't work well on camera. So then I ramped it up, like high energy. And then looking back on that, I'm like, that's that was too much. That's not who you are. And then it came back down. It was almost that what Jimmy was referring to earlier is I needed that point of reference. I needed to exaggerate the one thing to figure out where I actually need to be. And as time goes on, we're doing less I guess gimmicky stuff. It's more. I'm trying to be more me, but it's it's really hard to be yourself on camera because if you if you just a normal conversation between two people without cameras rolling is different than talking to a camera. It, it, when you watch a normal conversation, it might not be very entertaining. So you you kind of I talk a little bit louder on camera and I I, I amp it up a little bit, but. I think with, over the past two years, I think you're seeing more of what's actually me. And we've been slowly kind of removing the humor, not completely, but just like I want it to be more about the inspiration. It's the, what I do is I want to be taken serious, but I also want it to be fun. So it's it's always it's as you say, Bob, balancing, trying to trying to figure things out. And I think it's going to constantly change throughout this whole YouTube career. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, anything, I, Jimmy? We ran away. I ran away for a second just to give JD and and Jody a hug. But we're talking about something that people don't know about us behind the scenes. Is that what it was? Because yeah, I was listening, yeah, like but I lost that, traction for a second. People, people that just watch YouTube, like something they wouldn't know about you. Oh well, I mean, I don't know. This probably comes through because I was thinking of this question when we first talked before we started. Uh, I have. Very little plan. <laughs> is, that, is that obvious? I can't tell. I don't know. People, <laughs> Do you, people, you want the like, truth? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I watch Bob. I watch Bob and I say to myself, God, I wish I was like that more organized and that I can get. It's, it's like Monday morning. It's like a kind of, there's always like a little bit of a rumbling with, with Brett. We're like Brett's like, what you have a video this week? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think maybe I'll work on. Uh, I, I don't know. I want to do a pair of pants. I'm going to, this week, I'm actually going to do a pair of pants, I think, because it's a simple video and we're going to have a tight week with these guys coming right back. And so I'll do that. But it's, it's always just a feeling. It's really never like a set plan. It's like, even I talked about it with the scissor lift barbecue. I started that video with a completely different intention. It was going to be a traditional barbecue. But partway through it, I was like, I just, I thought, oh, I'm just going to be making the same thing everybody else made. How can I make something that would stand out? And you would think that I had that idea weeks ago. I didn't have it until the second day of shooting the video. So if, when you watch the video, right, where I, I kind of make the box and I'm at the folding door and then it cuts to boom. And then I start drilling holes in a flat strap piece. That flat strap piece was the second day. And that was when I had the, it was actually two days later and those two days I came up with the the more successful idea for my channel was to make the scissory thing. But 
I, I really just fly by the seat of my pants and I always have to the point of where like people, I, I triple book myself and double book myself all the time. And I'm now, now I have like, I have, a, I'm, uh, I have an art of double booking myself. People say, Hey, are you going to be there? I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. And then like, you know, I, I talk about it. It's like the day of, I get an email. Hey man, I'll see you tonight from a text message of somebody. I don't even know who the hell they are. And I don't have their name saved. So I'm like, uh, and I look back and I'm trying to figure out where the conversation went. And I'm like, I have no idea. And then like, they'll text me back and I'll like, dude, something came up. I can't make it. And I'm like, I don't even know who that was or what I was supposed to do. <laughs> I was really looking forward to seeing you. That's a bummer, man. But you I'm out of it. Screenshots. <laughs> going through all my screenshots. What am I supposed to do tonight? But I get out of it. And so that I really, it's, I feel like Mr. Magoo walking through life. Like I'm walking on the steel I-beam and then all of a sudden like the I-beam gets to another floor and I just walk off the I-beam. I, I really feel like that in my life. And I, I in a way, I almost, I, I joked about it when we were at Spring Make, how like you want to kind of relish in that moment where you're just about to wake up, that moment where you're just like, oh, wait, oh, wait, I, I don't own a 10-pound mouse. Oh, wait, no, that was a dream. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, I got to mow the lawn today. Oh, wow. Oh, wait, can I have a 10-pound mouse in a video? No, I can't find one of those. Uh, and then you wake up and like, you know, ah, and my phone just went off. And then, but my life, I try to live my life in that little, like 3% bandwidth of like half asleep, half awake, because it makes life exciting. Not I really what like, reality is. Yeah. And I don't know what the next dream is through it all. There's like a really hard red line, which is finances, which really screws things up. But <laughs> It's like goes right through my dream time, but I, I really don't have a plan as much as it seems like I do. I have no idea what I'm doing. I think I kind of fall in between both of you on that. I mean, there's some structure, but there's also some fly by the seat of my pants type stuff going on. Oh yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of that going on with me too. I don't want to make it sound like I have everything planned out all the time. I just like to... I like to lay a groundwork for what I think could happen, but also be willing to change all the time. And I think, Jimmy, what you're saying is like some of the best ideas happen when you have to come up with something or Mm -hmm. when you don't have, you know, the next few weeks or whatever planned out so much that you don't have room for creativity. Because that is a danger of over planning and over preparing stuff is that like you kill the opportunity for new solves to show up to problems, you know? Like, well, I'm but already th- planning on doing this thing, so like, I'm, I can't think about this cool. In reality, though, like, I feel like, and I've said this, I think people have the DNA. You, you, you're metaphysically made up to have car problems. You're metaphysically made up to have like, you know, awesome tools. Or I, I think that the energy of the universe. It sounds so cliche. I sound like a teenage girl, but the energy of the universe decides what, and you pull it in too, based on you know who you are and how you manipulate your life. But I feel like I want to be more organized. I want to have things planned out better. I want to have the next 10 things. I just can't do it. I, I, I just, I try. And then sometimes I just give in to the, well, this is how it's meant to be. I'll just try and manipulate things to go in a, a positive direction as I possibly can. So it's almost like I, I'm sitting in the passenger seat of a car with nobody at the wheel. And I'm like, well, huh. I'm just going to like, you know, use my knee from this side of the car to make sure we don't hit any trees, you know? <laughs> Is that stressful for you? I mean, th- th- it, it doesn't used to be. seem like As from the, outside, it doesn't seem like that would be stressful for you. It just seems like how you are. And you're just like, eh. That's what cool. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like at this point in my life, I'm not because I have so much time under my belt that everything worked out well. So it's like, I'm happy just letting the car have no driver and just be like, all right, just make sure we don't drive into a ditch or hit a tree. Yeah. Me and my 10 pound mouse from my dream, just sitting in the passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a ten pound mouse? Is that a mouse? Is that a? Uh, it's a groundhog. Sounds like a band name. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like that's really it's like you know it's funny because the fans that come or the students that come that are fans and they get to know me more and they're like, wow, you're really just kind of taken as it comes. You really, I'm like, like I said, I'm just trying to steer the ship in a in a in a positively upwardly mobile direction, but. You know, I'll go to the helm for a couple of minutes and then I'll go under the deck and just have fun for like three days 
and come up and be like, oh, we're going to hit an island. I should turn the wheel a little bit. And then I go back on the deck <laughs> and come up with 10 metaphors for the feeling of my life. That's a pretty good one, though. Like, I like that. It's like you're, you are all, all the parts of the ship there, you know, and you just got to like spend the most time doing the part that you like spend a little bit of time doing the stuff that you have to do and and, pretty, and the, the way the way that and like one example of how that is a reality around me is like when the mail comes i just shove it in a drawer and i just shove it in a drawer. Just, I, my bills are totally paid on time and i'm never delinquent on anything but there's that moment in time where it's just like i don't want to know anything about this until <laughs> i have to I don't want to know, like, you know, my brother, I see my brother's got this, like, balled-up anxiety. My brother Joseph, he'll never listen to this. He like, he calls me a couple months ago. He's like, hey, you should do a podcast. Like, I've been doing one for five years. So I can say anything <laughs> I want about him. <laughs> my brother, I've been with him when, like, I because I, we used to share an apartment. So for many years, I would get his mail, and I would hold it for him, and I'd give it to him. He'd get his mail, and he'd tear through it like a tornado. He'd, be, he'd tear it open and go, ah. Oh! I didn't know this bill wasn't paid. And then he'd tear open another one. He's like, ah, he's like the Hulk tearing through all of his bills, like right there on the spot, like on the hood of a car, I'd meet him in the street. And I go, here's your, your mail. I came to the apartment and he'd like tear it open right there. Me. I'd be like, okay, I know there's probably a few emergencies in this pile of envelopes. I'm just going to leave it in my car. I'm going to enjoy this day. Enjoy the ice cream I'm holding hmm. later on at the end of the day, just before I go to bed, I'll look at this and I'll confront that issue then. And that's I'll what just I'm getting. Put this in my car and hope somebody steals my car. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. My, my roommates used to hate, I think they used to hate living with me because I was under so much collection all the time. And that's back when you had landline phones. I got phone calls every day from collectors. And I'm like, Nate, I'm not here. Josh, I'm not here. I'm not here today. They're like, <laughs> we got to stop covering for you, Pachuto. So. Luckily, those days are in my past. And you know, uh, another funny example, another funny example of this, and I was talking about it last night at dinner. A couple months ago, I was like, life is easy. I'm not getting any emails. Nobody's asking me for stuff. I'm able to put some ad money in the bank. Things like nobody's asking me for anything. It's like, I haven't gotten any emails in like a week. This is great. And then I get an email from like a former client. They're like, hey, did you get that thing? I'm waiting for a quote for that job. I'm like, no, I, I didn't get it. And then I go into my junk folder, and that's where everything, for some weird reason, Apple put all my important emails and every, like I was getting like Facebook notifications and stuff, like stupid stuff that I don't need. But the real meat and potatoes would go into the junk folder. And in there, I found like a plethora of things I needed to answer. So it went from being like, man, life's so easy. Ah, the ship's going in the good direction. To being like, oh my God, I had to like stamp out all these fires, metaphorically speaking. Nothing, nothing bad, but... Just those little things that give you anxiety of like, oh, this person needs an answer for me. I need to tell, I want this job, but I need to tell somebody how much it is. And I don't have the, you know, I don't have the, uh, the chutzpah to say, oh, I want $20,000 for this, you know, because like, then you get caught in that limbo. It's like, you know, you should gas that much money, but you don't want it. And so you just, Ugh. and then you, it's just like you build the courage up to then type that number and hit send. And then you don't hear from them. And then you do. And you're like, okay, cool. When can we start? And you're like, oh, whew, you know, I hate all that. So I try to avoid all of it. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to think of something about me that people don't know. <clears throat> and I can't really think of anything. It's, well, pe- it's hard. People don't know that you have on a, water, a watermelon shirt right now. It's one thing people don't know. It's not a watermelon shirt. What is it? <laughs> it looks like a watermelon They're shirt. Trees. <laughs> <laughs> They're trees. They're trees. It is two-tone green printing on a green shirt, so it is kind of hard to see. But I guess it does kind of look like a watermelon. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something about me. It's hard to step out of what I know about myself and figure out what I have not told other people. I feel like I'm kind of an open book, though. Mm. Do you, can you guys think of anything about try- me that other people wouldn't know? Yeah, I'm trying to. You're you're funny in person. Like you don't. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let, let me uh, let me re- Thank rephrase. You? Looks let me aren't rephrase. everything. <laughs> Um, you, you do have little bits of humor in the video, but when we've hung out and we've shared hotel rooms, I, I, I walk away like there, there'll be like four or five times where like Bob just made me laugh out loud because of some little silly <laughs> joke you said. You're, um, you're a very funny person in person. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I don't think that's something I would have said about myself, but I appreciate that. <laughs> also, you're a professional bowler. No, that is that is not true. No, okay. I'm I'm a terrible bowler. 
I don't know. I mean, I can't really think of anything. Uh, um, Bob, besides your athletic know. ability as a runner, are you are you into sports? Like, are you a baseball or a football fan? Basketball nope. fan? Nope. Pachuto, baseball, <laughs> baseball, basketball. He's baseball. A, he's a baseball fan. And, yeah, big baseball fan, and I also like football. I don't. Uh, I'm not a. Um, I, I don't wear any sports clothing. Like I do have an Indian's hat, but I have to wear a hat all the time. So because um, of baldness and suns and cancer and stuff. Um, but I don't. Uh, I don't publicly like wear lots of sports clothing. I definitely do not go to the bar to watch sports. I hate watching sports with other people. It's a very like. I don't. I like watching sports by myself because nobody's yelling at the tv and nothing's a big deal you know where mm. when you watch it with other people like people are really into it and i i don't know i like i like quiet sports um <laughs> announcers really really annoy me like i am a huge indian cleveland indians baseball fan but i really dislike the announcers and they've had the same announcers for like two decades and uh mm. i'm like yep yeah, just turn the volume down and have the game on in the background that's funny yeah can yeah, i mean sports are have never been a thing like i just i don't hate them or anything i just never have been interested so and growing up in kentucky basketball is a pretty big deal here and almost everybody in the state is really for uk or really for uofl and yeah. i don't care <laughs> I, I think i, I might have told like, you this. how about that game and i'm like uh there was a game i'm sure there was a game <laughs> i was uh, i was funny five. I was in Kentucky once, and there was like, you know, I guess it was March Madness going on, and they were going nuts. I was at a friend's house, and he brought us to another friend's house, and there was like 10 people watching the basketball games that were going on. And they were like, they kept cutting to the coach, and he's like punching his fist in the air. And then the next day, I was on the airplane with that coach. He was sitting a few seats away from me. I sent a picture to my buddy. My buddy would have like died. He goes, what a waste. He goes, you're sitting next to so-and-so. He goes, you have no idea what that guy's know. Do you care? It's like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, Bob, Bob, I wanted to ask you, Bob, do you dance? No, I don't dance. Mm, so we're not going to see a video of you dancing? No. Petrudo? I can't imagine the situation where you would ever see that. Petrudo, <laughs> <laughs> do you dance? I, I, do, I do not dance. I can't dance at all. I really, really respect the art form of dancing, and I like watching videos of other people <clears throat> dancing. Like, it's like, just seeing like Michael Jackson dance uh is mind-blowing to me and i yeah. really wish i could do that but i don't know why i wish i could do that that's okay i haven't thing. danced so, i haven't danced in a long time but i'm not a dancer at all like i mean if a girl that i'm with that i'm enjoying my life with will drag me onto the dance floor i'll do it thank god taylor is not one of those taylor does not care about taylor be like i'm not dancing i could be making something right now and that's the way I feel. so i think <laughs> yeah, i found like the right go. woman Bob, yeah i mean i'm i'm with you david like i i respect dancing my sister was a dancer when we were growing up and I respect how, how athletic it is and how much time they have to put in to do it. I have zero interest in any way, shape or form. It just doesn't like make sense to me personally for my body to do any of that stuff for any reason. I think I'm too practical in a lot of things. <laughs> like the I mean, This I, is I think a waste a, of energy in a wrong direction. That's what I think. <laughs> I think so. And I yeah. think that's the wrong attitude to have. Like, I know that's not very human of me, but it, I, I have a lot of those, like, <clears throat> like, okay, here's the thing. I just kind of remembered. I'm very um, uh, choosy about what I clap for. Okay. And I don't know why, but, like, <laughs> you snob. You're a clapping everything. snob, aren't you? <laughs> I guess so. It's just, like, I, I don't always clap. I don't know. You know, you want to know my mm-hmm. clap secret? I think it's like I think it's like you know if you're clapping for somebody you really you really want to let them know I'm making the effort I'm expending the energy to let them know that they did a good job or something so I guess I'm picky my my clap my clap technology is this if there's I'm at an event (laughs) and I assume that there's somebody watching or at least you know if you're on camera I don't want to and not that people are looking for me no but in general like if there's like a you're at a sporting or a music event and the camera pans and like you're the one guy whose arms are at his side just because you're like clapping is stupid it's completely impractical i pretend to clap because <laughs> i don't want to hurt my hands so i'm doing this my hands aren't touching <laughs> so does it hurt you're fake clapping that's I even clap, worse man i fake clap all the time because i don't want to hurt my hands my delicate hands <laughs> So I fake clap like I'm clapping just so it looks like I'm doing something. But then if like something really excites me, then they get the actual 
Oh, one of those. wow. I've, so I've really, not thought about this ever, yeah. but I realize like when I go to like the, the local club to go see friends play, I do I clap because everybody else is clapping. And I don't want to because I just want to sit there and observe. <laughs> but when I go to like huge concerts at like an arena, I don't clap because huh. no one's gonna uh, see it. Because there's other people, there's there's so many other people doing it where I get to just sit there and observe. And I was just thinking about this, like the 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 times that I've gone to church, the the getting up, the sitting down, like I don't want to do that. I just want to sit yeah. and observe. I just want to like what yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to participate. I just want to observe. So why am I standing observe. up and sitting down and kneeling and standing up and sitting down and singing? I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I went to see Thrice, which is like a kind of metal ish band uh, in Nashville. No, granted, I'm getting old, so <laughs> I just figured that was part of it. But like, I'm standing there behind the mosh pit. Right there's this big crowd of like these super jacked dudes in their 20s who just want to like hit each other and i'm behind that at a distance and i just want to stand there and watch the band and i want to hear it at a reasonable distance so i can actually hear what's (laughs) happening you know (laughs) and i'm standing there, and then these dudes behind me just decided they want to have a little shove fest behind me and it made me so frustrated in the moment and i was just like i'm i'm too old to be here i don't need to be here but i think you're right i think it's not that i was too old it's that I want to observe the band. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part of like the punch circle because that's just no fun. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do that. But. I, uh, it, only old people call it the punch circle, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Okay. I don't care. Okay. I'm, 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 uh, you know, embracing my gray beard. Yeah. You guys want to know when I, I, I obviously have been alcohol free for 32 years now which is a good thing because when I was 17 or 18, I used to go to Ramon shows and I would stage dive. I stage dive at like a couple of Ramon shows. It was one time I was super drunk and I stage dive like 50 times. I just kept running up on stage and diving into the crowd. <laughs> I was with a girlfriend of mine and she's like, I thought I was going to have to take you home in an ambulance. I know, I got caught every time. I got, I was just like, everybody's like, Oh, here he comes again. And like, I was about 17 or 18. <laughs> And I remember the bouncer grabbed me and he goes, if you go up there one more time, I'm throwing you out. I'm like, I can't believe you haven't thrown me out already. <laughs> I'm, like 50 times. I'm exaggerating. I probably did it 10 times, 10 times. Maybe. It's funny. Cause like, that's a thing that I probably wouldn't, I know I wouldn't ever like actively go do. I wouldn't, I'm going to go get on the stage and jump off. But I was at a smashing pumpkins concert one time when I was in like the end of high school or something. And it was a big arena show. And I was not, all the way up front, but I was kind of up front. <clears throat> and before I even realized what was happening, I was on top of the crowd. I had nothing to do with it. I did not actively do it. <laughs> I was just like floating and being grabbed by all sorts of people. I just picture and, you and like your in your trainers and you're like you're like your 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 windbreaker, you know, your 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 dad get up and like being like, Whoa, whoa, put me down, everyone, put me down <laughs> like completely. No, <laughs> no this is like teenage <laughs> teenage skater baggy pants bob. Right. And just I just ended up on top of people and they just pushed me and I had nothing to do with it. It was so weird. So I had that same experience, I guess, without doing it on purpose. But yeah, that's fine. Anyway, I got a feeling as soon as we end the podcast, I'm going to think of like 10 things that people don't know about me that that will be interesting. Yeah, I probably will too. But I can't think of anything right now. I, 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 the older I get, I'm being more out of the, uh, out in the open about, I hate reading. I can't stand reading. I hate it. I listen Mm. to books on tape. When, I, when somebody hands me something to read, they're like, hey, look at this. And they put it in front of me, and I just go, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't read it. I just said, like, I read it. <laughs> I, I can't, I hate reading on, when someone's like, read this. Here, read this. And like when I'm like, have to sign a contract or something, I just put my signature down. I don't read it at all. I just go here. I don't, I, I, I feel like I don't have any time for that. And I'm, I think to myself, okay, I'm supposed to read this right now while three people are staring at me. Mm, I, I'm going to have zero comfort. I have zero comprehension, and, and, and especially when people are staring and staring at me. And it's like, nope. That being said, I mean, I have read things that I find interesting and that I, like, you know, I've read biographies on various special people through history that I want to be inspired by. That's what gets me. Like, I read a biography on someone, and, uh, but I'll read factual stuff. But when it comes to people like Presh, like, here, sign this non-disclosure form. Like, I actually have to. A friend of mine that used to work at VH1's got a project for me, and she's like, she's like, "Hey, are you still doing things? I need you to do something." I'm like, "Sure." And she's like, "Oh, just sign this NDA for me." It's like some commercial I'm supposed to work on. 
I was like, ah, screw it. Like, all I got to do is read this thing. I could be a lot of money. But, ah, I don't want to sign a dumb NDA. So there was, are. How do you sign a dumb contracts. NDA from a? How do you sign a dumb NDA from a telephone? Like that's what I'm like. <laughs> what do you want me to print it out and fax it to you? Like what? This is 2019. <laughs> As YouTubers, there are contracts with some of the bigger companies. My favorite, my favorite companies to work with are is just kind of a handshake deal, and 99.9 percent of the time it all works out. But some of the bigger companies require contracts, and I, I I've had my lawyer look over. The contracts before just to make sure and uh that's expensive and so now i, I do kind of skim it over but I'm, I'm just like i'm looking for the thing that that says they own all my content that's just like the thing yeah. i'm so worried about <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know and and i i don't understand a lot of it so i'm like you know what i trust them it's a big company i trust them I'll oh man, that's that's <laughs> the wrong approach. I know. <laughs> and do you guys have lawyers look at look at contracts? So, I mean, I'm I'm lucky enough that my agent has a lawyer in his office, and so all the contracts that he negotiates, he he goes through them. But then he also has the lawyer in house, you know, run through it to make sure that it's all safe. But actually, he does most of the negotiation there. And so by the time I get it, I trust him enough to know that it's been vetted, and I'll. I'll read the important points, like what you're saying, like the ownership parts and what they expect. And, you know, some there's some key blocks that are always kind of like the big important ones. And the rest of it is mostly the same. Now, I have worked with some companies, some of the bigger ones, to where we have, it's like a handshake from the perspective of, I know the contract will happen, will get worked out eventually, but we have planned, uh, shot, edited, posted the video, delivered the thing, before we ever get a contract because the legal departments and some of these big companies are so over the top about every single little thing and the contracts take forever. And when they take that long, I'm not going to understand what it is that is so important. So I don't, you know, like I'll skim those important sections, but I don't try to read all of the, the deep sections. My, my agent just reads it. And, and in most cases he's like, here, here it is. Sign it. I go, can you sign it? And he said, he goes, you want us to sign it for you? I'll sign it. So he signs it for me. I hardly ever see them at all. Hmm. It's like, because I, 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 as I, the older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing it's like, what is the opposite of being an artist dealing with that stuff? I just want to be an artist, like whatever that means. I just want to like create, learn, play, have fun in my sandbox. A contract gets shoved in front of me. It like, you hear like somebody lifts the needle on the music. I'm like, (sighs) (laughs) yeah. I'm like, could you, (laughs) that's funny. Could you just sign it for me, please? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like little Jimmy's coming back. <laughs> and so I don't deal with that stuff. I try not to. I mean, of course, there are times, and I've had handshake deals with a lot of people, and, and those are the best ones. But sometimes, you know, you have a handshake deal with somebody at a big corporation, and their bosses require the legalese. And I just, yeah. I usually, I'm very easygoing about it. Uh, there's, I've been through so many contracts in the toy business in the early parts of my television career that they mean nothing. You just got to, like, everybody's expected to do this thing. Just show up and do that thing. And there's almost 90% of the time you're not going to have, almost 100% of the time you're not going to have a problem. When there is a problem, it's when it gets into, like, oh, my God, we have a runaway train here. Everybody's making money. Immediately, who gets sued? Who starts suing? Who's making more money than the other person? You know? That, and I haven't been on a runaway train yet. <laughs> That's probably good, I guess. No, All right, well, I, I will else jump on, on a runaway train the second it passes by. <laughs> Remember, I don't like driving the ship. I want to be in the back, but I do want the ship to be going 100 miles an hour in a safe direction. <laughs> All right. I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters while you guys figure out something to share. Unless you have anything else about this. Any other secrets about yourselves? There's all uh, kinds of secrets. I just can't think of what they are right now. Okay. Well, big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Um, Funkist Artistic Creations, Henry, uh, is one of them. Uh, Henry and his wife. But also, Corey Ward works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker in Training, Blondie Hacks, Caleb Harris, Modern DIY, and Make, Build, Modify. Those are our top supporters, but there's people at a bunch of different levels that help us out over there, and we're grateful for all that. They also get... The after show. I just want to say I got to hang out with Bernie from Works by Solo last weekend. He came up to our KenCraft meetup, and then he went with me to this art installation, this uh, metal sculpture installation in Gibsonburg, Ohio. And we hung out all day, and we talked cool stuff, and 
He's a good dude. I really yeah, Bernie's, dude. Bernie's a great guy. I hung out with him a lot. Yeah. Yep. So, hello, Bernie. Hello, Bernie. Uh, yeah, big thanks to, to everybody that helps us out over there. And if you want to help out and get the after show, go to patreon.com slash making it and, uh, you know, support us over there. That's cool. Cool. There's Jimmy's breast guys? pocket. Yeah. It's, he's wearing a black Carhartt shirt, apparently. <laughs> the logo oh, is yeah. all up on the camera. I'm, I'm signing my NDA on my other computer. To be, to be perfectly honest. Oh, you have an NDA computer now. Awesome. <laughs> oh, man. All right. What you got? Anybody been watching anything cool? Yeah. Uh, I watched. Go, oh, go ahead, Jimmy. No, no, you go. No, oh, you guys are so polite. Uh, David, go. Yeah. So last night I watched a documentary on Amazon Prime called Curious Worlds, The Art and Imagination of David Beck. And I, th- I think this would uh, be of interest to a lot of the listeners. It uh, David Beck makes these little sculptures and miniatures, but there's a lot of moving parts. And so you get to see his shop. Uh, he makes a lot of his own brass hinges, because not because he wants to, but because he can't get the hinges that he needs from the store. And so he's milling up these little hinges, and you get uh, just really cool art. Um, and I was watching this and I've, I've noticed like the, the common thread between all the artists that I like and that their life is chaos. Like their, their studio is always the messiest place in the world. And I wonder, like, I hate a messy studio. Like, will I never be an artist because I don't like chaos and I don't like a, a, a mess? But that seems to be the common thread between all the artists that I like. Anyway, go check I, out Curious I don't Worlds. know. Yeah. I mean, maybe all the artists you like. But I, I've seen a lot of people who do things that I think are really amazing and really creative who need order to be able to create that. So hmm. I think there's I think there's room for all types of all right. situations to be able to create creative stuff. I'll accept opinion. that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, Jimmy? Uh, I just want to let everybody know OSHA is this okay. Instagram apparently has been turned off. Do you guys know that? But it came back as OSHA offender. So it seems to be the same people. I don't know them at all, but it's a great Instagram. It shows workplace accidents, which might be gory in many cases. But I, I absolutely, I think it's important for people to see the possibility of stupid things like you know, using a forklift and certain ways of like people overextend the, the range of a ladder or such in it. And it's just good to kind of peruse that. A lot of them are humorous the way they just, you know, this like on job antics and messing around. There's like one funny one where the guy's in a welding helmet. Every time he goes to weld, somebody just off his like vision puts a piece of paper in front of his eyes. So he goes to weld and then he's he can't, and then he steps back and takes it. And the guy runs away oh, yeah. quick and he pulls his helmet off and he likes looking at his helmet and he closes, it goes to well, and the guy just sticks a piece of paper in front of it. And like, so he abs out because his vision's partially blocked anyway. So the silly stuff like that, but in general, I think it's important for most people to watch because you see the things that are potentially, you see somebody get hurt a certain way and you're like, wow, I didn't even know that was possible. I'll be careful next time I use that tool. So on and so on. So anyway, OSHA is this okay is now OSHA offender. And I just figured that out this weekend because we were sharing stories and I was like, wow, why can I can't find this? You know, some of our favorite Instagrams suddenly get deleted for copyright problems or whatever. So there you go. Cool. Um, I don't really have anything good. I was looking through my history here. I haven't really watched anything new lately, but there is a new video out by um, a musician who I think is amazing. And I don't know how to say her last name. Elise Trow. T-R-O-U-W, maybe? And so I've been following her for a a while. She started out on YouTube as a drummer. I mean, she is a drummer, but she started out just doing drumming videos as like a teenage, maybe 14, 15, somewhere in there. I don't really know. And so I saw some of her early drum stuff, and then I didn't watch her for a while because it was only drums. And now she does these, she writes awesome music, and it's all live looped. So she'll play the the drums the guitar the bass she'll sing she has an amazing voice and she does all of this stuff and she she sets it all up in the room to where she walks through the room and plays a loop piece and adds it to the loop and then walks to the next instrument and sings stuff and walks around and so a lot of the videos are single take um and it's just really good it's a lot of original stuff but also a lot of uh kind of mashups between 
I feel like she did like a Foo Fighters and a Sting song mashed up. Or There's a Radiohead one ones. too, where she takes the two and combines them in, into one. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking right. of. Was it Radiohead and Sting? Is that who it was? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, she does yeah. some good mashups, um, but she's she's amazing. So uh, absolutely, you definitely go check it out. Yeah, I I, but, I um, second that pick. It's really good. I think she's been on Jimmy Kimmel before. She's performed this live, so it's not just camera and editing tricks it's actually performed Mm. live oh wow i've never seen her do it live that's awesome yeah so go check her out um you guys got anything else what are we going to talk about in the after show i have no idea Mm. you're going to talk about the one time i I danced on a bar on top of a bar oh let's talk about jimmy dancing that sounds fun and then he stage dove (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.